Hello everybody, welcome once again as we continue on in a series we're doing called Developing Well. Um, we just started this a few weeks ago after being in a series called Do You Want to Get Well for a lot of weeks and uh, this series kind of spins out of that one. You know, do you want to get well? Jesus asked that great question. I love that question. Do you want to get well? What a great question. And uh, it causes us to think and reflect in areas of our life and what it really means to say yes to that and, and you know, do we really want to make changes and, and, you know, connect with God and go His way and we've said yes to that. So having said yes to that, this this brings up this, this next sort of sub-series that we're talking about, um, you know, developing well. And this series is about uh, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, yielding to the Holy Spirit so that we can grow and mature in the Lord. And we're, we're in this series, we're looking at the Beatitudes. Um, and, and these are the attitudes that are developed in us as we cooperate with the Spirit as citizens of the kingdom. Um, we, we can't develop them apart from God. We need help to do these things. We, we, I've told you it's a fascinating list. Um, there's a lot of things that seem you know, absolutely counterculture in the list um, and, and uh, might sound funny when you hear it. But the Beatitudes are just an amazing group of, of uh, ideas of, for the kingdom that Jesus gives to his disciples. They build on each other. And you need to understand that there's eight Beatitudes, they, they build on each other, and that's why we're looking at it this way. Um, and, and yet they're ongoing, because if you, even if you were able to sort of work through all eight, which I hope that we do, it doesn't mean now you're all done and you never have to think about the Beatitudes anymore, because um, what I find is you keep ending up back somewhere in the loop, usually with number one for me. Uh, which we talked about, which starts by talking about being poor in spirit. And um, our constant realization of our desperate need for Jesus, uh, and which, which I think if we're, if we're really best blessed, it's something that we're always realizing, and we're right back to, God, I can't do this without you. And, and any time we start to think we can, we end up in a big mess. And, and so we talked about that. And then last week we talked about um, what it means to mourn, and, and what that looks like and, and uh, how that's a part of, you know, this whole process. And this week what we're going to do is we're going to talk about meekness. Meekness, I, which is, I, I, I think, a great topic and, and uh, I, liked, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy looking at it together. So we're going to dig into that in just a moment. But before we do, uh, just, you know, now it's a transition time from that to where we're heading comes these usually bad jokes. If April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? Pilgrims. I was looking for the seasonal humor. What do, you, what do you get if you divide the circumference of a pumpkin by its diameter? Pumpkin pie. 3.1415. Okay, well. What smells the best at a Thanksgiving dinner? Your nose. All right, I'm done. <laughs> I, I know you're applauding because I'm done. So, fortunately, the scripture reading goes right here on purpose. Psalm 37, 1 through 11. I'm reading out of the NIV. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Our beatitude today is found in Matthew 5, 5 that we're going to look at. And, and Jesus is actually paraphrasing from that psalm that I just read. When he says this, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So we need to dig into that, because that word meekness um, it sort of doesn't, in our culture today, we don't, we don't really think that's much of a quality trait to have, to be meek. So let's talk about what it means. Because I think mostly because we think meekness is weakness, and it's, it's the exact opposite. In the Bible, you know, the only ones who were described as meek was Jesus and Moses. I would, I would hesitate to call either one of them weak. Uh, in any way, shape, or form. So, so let's dig in. What does it mean to be meek? That's the first point in your notes. What does it mean to be meek? Now, remember, we're holding these in context, the Beatitudes. And so um, we started by talking about the reality that we're broken, that, that in our own strength, we're unable to be the people that God created us to be. And, and um, uh, in those first two, we saw that. Then, then in this Beatitude, Jesus is going to introduce the idea of meekness. Meekness is a mixture of humility and gentleness that comes from realizing the truth about who we really are, how desperate we are for Jesus, and that we don't have to keep pretending to be something we're not so that we can trust God in every aspect of our lives. And, and all these now are building on one another. We're, we're a mess but, but, but Jesus loves us. We, we, at some level, we get what a mess we are, and it causes us to grieve because we understand it, it, that our mess put Jesus on the cross, and he had to go for that. And yet he did that with joy because he loves us. And, and so um, somebody came to me after the message last week, and, and I loved this. They said that what they felt like was that the Lord sees them as a beautiful mess. And I'm like, that's exactly right. He sees us as a beautiful mess. And there's something about owning that that, that is, is extremely, uh, it's like necessary in order to keep growing in the Lord. And, and, uh, and so, so meekness then is, is that realization that we're broken, we're a mess, but Jesus, you know, and, and uh, it, it made, Jesus had to go and fix it at the cross, but he did it because he loves me and he sees the beauty of my potential and, and, and there's, there's, there's the ability to grab a hold of that, to realize, yeah, in my own stuff, I'm a mess. But, but in him, he sees something in me that I can rest in because I can rest and trust in him. And so um, our culture tends to strive constantly in trying to, um, to be something. Uh, and, and, and yet um, in Christ, we are something that we don't have to pretend it's because of him in the process. And in this whole thing, we'll, as we grasp it, it will give us a lot of peace and rest in our lives. So Jesus, I think one of the things that he really demonstrates this idea of meekness in is, is when he washes his disciples' feet. This is a, this is a picture 
of, 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 of meekness. Now, let me read the, the passage to you. It's John 13, verses 1 through 17. It's a, it's a, it's a big, big scripture, but let's look at it together. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, said to him, Lord, are, are, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath He's only to wash his feet, his whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You'll be blessed. <laughs> blessed are the meek, for they want to hear with you. You'll be blessed if you do these things. See, here's, here's what happens. In this, in this thing, the, the, the verses are clear. Jesus knew who he was. He, he knew where he came from. He knew where he was headed. And so he didn't have to strive for position. He, he didn't have to, to make his position. He didn't have to strive so that people could, you know, see who he was and, and all those things. He knew who he was. He was settled in it. And what's important for us to know is we've been talking about these other Beatitudes. It's important for us to know who we are in him. That, that we're his beloved. We're his, his children. We're the apple of his eye, the Bible says. We're his workmanship. I love that word workmanship in the Bible. It's the word poema in the Greek. You're his poem. You're his masterpiece. You're his work of art. Um, you, you are loved by him with an unconditional, everlasting, amazing love. And, and like I said earlier, you're indeed his beautiful mess. And, and, and see, you can settle in that. And then you don't have to pretend to be something you're not. And, and this is sort of the, the essence of meekness. It, it allows us to be settled in his love for us so that we can stop striving to try and be something we're not. And, and in the peace that comes from stopping the striving, we can begin to thrive and find real life by living in and for Jesus. Look, let's look at what happens when Jesus goes to wash Peter's feet, because here's this thing that happens. Verses uh, 6 through 8 again, John 13. I, I, you might just have to go back in your notes. I don't think it's going to pop back in the slides. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part from me. Now, the, the backstory to what's going on here, we know from a verse in Luke, Luke 22, 
and uh, you can look this up later if you want, write it down, it's Luke 22, 24, um, that, that they, the disciples were having a dispute at the Last Supper, uh, at this, this exact meal, about which one of them was considered to be the greatest. The, the verse actually says, also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. So, so here they're at this meal, this last meal they're going to have with Jesus, and they're having an argument about who's the greatest, Okay. Now, now here's the deal. So, so picture this whole process. The, this argument is going on with the disciples. Um, primarily, John, James, and Peter. Those three were always arguing about which one of them was going to be the greatest. So they're, they're, they're having this meal. And um, it, it would have been normal, ceremonial, for them to have their feet washed uh, in this process. Because it, um, they would be clean except for all the walking that they did. That, you know, in dusty, constant roads, that transportation was walking, the feet would have been dirty, and they were, that would have been part of the meal. So in the room that had been set up for this meal would have been the basin and the water for foot washing and the towel. It would have all been set up there on the table. And, and all these guys that were there with Jesus, they all knew that this needed to happen. They all knew that that was part of the deal. But because they were arguing about who was the greatest... And it was considered the lowliest of the, the, of the tasks. The lowliest of the servants washed the feet. Because that's what was going on and this was the tension. Guess what? Nobody was going for the, for the foot washing basin. Because no one wanted to admit that they were the, the lowest in the room. See, they were arguing over who was the greatest. So, so here they are, full of themselves. Who gets up? It's Jesus. You've got to imagine the hush that fell on the guys. As this began to happen, as Jesus gets himself up, you, Jesus, right, the, the, the creator <laughs> of everything, there in his last little bit of time with the disciples who are arguing about who's the greatest, here's God himself, stands up from the table, goes over, grabs the towel, wraps it around his waist, picks up the basin and the water, begins to wash his disciples' feet, just lovingly, ministering to them, washing their feet, drying their feet, one by one. He gets to Peter, and Peter says, Jesus, I, I, I don't want you to wash this. I don't want you to wash my feet. Now, what you, what you need to know is, what he's saying is, Jesus, I, I don't want you to wash my feet. I want one of these other guys to do it. That's what we were waiting for. You kind of messed this up big. Because <laughs> we were having a waiting contest to see, you know, so we could make this point. And the last thing that we ever wanted was for you to do it. We never wanted you to do it. And Jesus says, oh, you're going to have to let me do it because you've got to learn this and you need to get, learn it big. See, it's, it's not about striving for position. It's not about pushing. It's not, so our culture has this thing all messed up and backwards that, you know, you just, it's the one who's just constantly pushing that's going to make it. And Jesus is undoing that whole thing and he, he says, no, this is what it looks like. This is, this is where you're going to find life. You have to let me. So if you don't let me, you're going to miss the picture. You're going to miss the message. You're going to miss the point. And so he washes Peter's feet in the process. See, knowing who you are in him allows you to thrive, to live, instead of striving to be something that even if you achieved it, still wouldn't be life-giving. See, that's the sad twist of our culture. Constantly striving for something that even when they achieve it, doesn't bring life so they have to strive after something else strive after something else and never ever finding life finding rest finding peace they miss it they miss it they miss it 
because they don't get what's happening. See, what Jesus says to them is so upside down. Point two, the meek will inherit the earth. That's what he, it doesn't even seem to make sense. It contradicts what, what we would say at, at all about, um, you know, moving ahead in our culture. Culturally, you know, it's to the strong goes the spoils. The culture, our culture thinks in terms of power, in terms of ability, in terms of self-promotion, in terms of aggressiveness. You know, the more you push and assert yourself, the more likely you are to succeed. And Jesus says the exact opposite. So you're missing it, guys. You'll never find life in the pushing, 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 striving, striving, striving. There's no life there. In, in this beatitude, when I started, I said, Jesus is really paraphrasing Psalm 37. That was our scripture reading. And it gives us, that psalm gives us a picture for what it looks like to, to stop striving and to start thriving. The, the, sort of the qualities of meekness. What, what will allow us to be meek? And, and, and so these, these are they, all under number two. Point A, under number two. Um, we have to trust. We have to trust. Psalm 37, 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. We have to trust in God. That's, that's the biggest thing in our lives. It's a constant thing in our lives, trusting God. Um, we, we said, I, I think it was Wednesday, we were talking um, here about Hebrews chapter 4. And, and the, the, uh, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4 brings up the, the connection. See, the, the Hebrew Christians he was writing to are about to sort of, because their life is going hard, they're about to you know, turn away from God. And he says to them, if you turn away, you'll be just like your ancestors who never entered the rest, the promised rest. If you, if you turn away, you'll never enter rest. And, and see, it's so true because whenever we stop trusting in the Lord... Um, we, we end up trying to do things in our own strength and there's no rest, there's no peace, there's just anxiety, there's just stress. Uh, and, and I said on Wednesday, I said, you know, it's so, it's, isn't it amazing how the, in the Old Testament, these people who had just been delivered from 430 years of bondage with the amazing movement of God parting the Red Sea, they'd been given all this treasure and stuff from all their neighbors, they'd, they'd gone out, uh, you know, because God told them to go, the, the armies of Pharaoh said, wait, we changed our mind and went chasing after him, drowned in the Red Sea, they're, they're free, God's with them, he's made himself perfectly and abundantly clear, and then because the start to get difficult they stop trusting in him giants in land and they're well we're not going to go I think you think after they saw that you know we would we would just trust and trust and then you know all week I've been thinking about that and and uh, you know sometimes some little thing thing some little thing will happen and all of a sudden everything seems not good it's some little thing, some little difficulty, some little thing that we didn't want to have happen or didn't expect or something will pop up and all of a sudden it's like, and I think, you know, in my own life, I've seen God move and move and move and move and move and move time after time after time after time. He's faithful. I can trust him. And then something pops up. I'm like, maybe I can't now. And that's when anxiety sets and there's no peace in that. And, and, and if, there's no, if you're not resting and settling in God, then, then you, you'll never be able to be meek because you're going to strive to try and fix everything in your own strength. So it starts with trust. B, delight. Delight. Psalm 37, 4. Del, 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. It's like, Lord, you know, um, more than anything else, I just want you. 
says there's no one like you. And, 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 and at that, there's something about that, that it says he just meets you there in the desires of your heart, whatever they are. Delight yourself. There's no one better, nothing better. So you, so you put your eyes and your focus on him. You delight yourself in him. See, you commit. Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he'll do this. So because you trust in him and your delight is in him, you just commit, Lord, my life is yours. I, and, and so whatever, Lord. Uh, you've heard me say a few times, you know, God, really, I'm just changing your pocket. Spend me however you want. But boy, if you don't trust him, you don't want to say that. Because you don't always like how he spends you. But, but it's the reality, Lord, I, however, I'm just changing your pocket. Spend me, Lord. It's what it's all about. And then D, we rest. Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Just rest is in him. We, it, 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 he goes on, you know, it's, it's, it's knowing that we can trust him and that he's good and that, that we can delight in him and that he delights in us and we can commit our ways to him and, and he's faithful that we can find then some peace in our lives, some rest in our lives. You know, the psalmist says that, that living like this, those things, that's, that's what we need to do, allows us uh, to inherit the land. It results in us inheriting the land and living in great peace. And, and inheriting the earth means this. It means that you don't have to be afraid of anybody or anything because God is in control. Isn't that cool? You don't have to be afraid of anything, anything, any situation. You don't have to be afraid of anything or anyone because God is in control. And, and, and so you, you can settle in, in who you are. You can settle in his love for you. You don't have to strive. You, can just, you just begin to just thrive in his rest and in his peace and and, and, you know, life isn't found in circumstances. It's found in living for him. And you can trust him to take care of you. And then as you do those things, you experience life as you live in him and as you live for him. When, when you're meek, you stop being consumed with living for yourself. And you start living for him. And that's where you experience full and abundant now and forever life that he came to give us. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. You don't need to be afraid of anything or anybody because God is in control. Amen? Amen. All right, if you're watching by television or on video, thank you so much. We appreciate you spending time with us. And if you need prayer, go to the website, hit the prayer page. With your request, we'll pray for you. You can call us and we'll certainly pray for you that way. And if you're ever on Big Pine, please stop by and see us. We'd love to have you worship and fellowship with us. So uh, we'll see you next time.